This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. We are continuing our Silent Killers series. And so this is week three of our series. Week one, we jumped right in talking through guilt and shame, um, and I had uh, Tim and Rich sort of share their stories, and so if you guys missed that, it's up on the podcast. It's a partial podcast because we had a computer glitch or whatever, so we have most of the conversation up there, uh, but it was really, really powerful. Tim coming out of like an ultra-conservative um, sort of theological track and experiencing grace and experiencing the fullness of God and everything, and, and sort of the guilt and shame that followed up with his pursuit of that, and then Rich uh, shared of some abuse when he was a child and how that brought guilt and shame into his uh, early adolescence and teenage years and how he sort of uh, worked through and dealt with and overcame a lot of the guilt and shame that was attached to that. And then last week, we continued this series uh, talking through body image and self-worth and how those two are sort of linked together. And so we had Jackie Dunkelberg on stage and we had Lori Mitten on stage and uh, they sort of shared their story and their relationship and their journey with these things. But this whole idea of silent killers is that, you know, some things that we face in life, some, some opposition that we, we battle, some struggles that we have, are very above board. Everybody knows what's going on. They can check in on you. They can ask how you're doing. They can pray with you. It's something you do uh, together, communal with other people. But these silent killers are the things that sort of fly underneath the radar. They're the things that come at us and they attack us. And it happens more often than not, but there's never really, like, an atmosphere for you to talk about it. There's never really a place for you to share. Uh, Nobody ever walks up to you and says, you know, hey, how you doing with your guilt and shame? You know, like that's just not a conversation that people have. Or how's your body image and self-worth doing today, guys? Uh, Let's talk about it. You know, it's, it's these things that we battle with and we struggle with on our own in quiet. And so we thought, you know, let's, let's foster an atmosphere here at Central where we can talk through some of these things. And so today... I've invited uh, Carmen up. Many of you guys know uh, Carmen, and she's going to share her story. So the way we've been doing this is I share some biblical truth at the beginning, then we talk through the story, and then I kind of wrap it up. But today we're going to do it a little bit different. I want to start with Carmen's story, and then at the end I'm going to come up uh, just with a few thoughts to sort of land the plane and wrap it up and make it applicable to you. And so this morning we're talking through unforgiveness, and unforgiveness can be so powerful. It can be so damaging, and it can be a silent killer for any of us and all of us. And so, will you welcome uh, Carmen to the stage with me this morning, please? <laughs> I, d- I told him I wanted, like, theme music, so I don't know if we told him. Yeah, the but she wanted crew. to play My House by Flo Rida, and yeah. I was like, I don't know that that's allowed in <laughs> church or ever anywhere for anyone. Just, that's just I a just bad idea. Next service, we'll plan it. Okay, yeah, next we'll service. We'll do, my, like, Who's in the House by Carman. Oh, yeah, okay. Yes. Okay. okay. Who's no, in the house? JC. But we'll say like CC instead because it's yes. Carmen Cologne. We'll have everyone chant and do a wave. Okay. I'll feel right, I like it. Yes. So, first service people, I'm sorry <laughs> you're going to miss the theatrics of next service, but yes. that's okay. Okay, so we're talking through unforgiveness. I know we're joking around, but this is a pretty serious topic, pretty yes. serious content. Um, and so, why don't you just tell us um, about your relationship and journey with unforgiveness? How did this play out in your life? And all of that. Um, so <laughs> I 
grew up in Delaware. Um, I just want to. I so, just side note: she brags about growing up in Delaware <laughs> like it's awesome. It's the first state, guys. So if you didn't know that, that's her is, claim to fame. It's yes, the first state. It's the first state. Awesome. And so um, I, it wasn't in there, but I realized that's an important part of my story. Um, so I grew up at my mom, my dad, and um, we just always had like that typical church family um, going to church all the time. My parents were very involved and. I just never remember like any um, anything negative like from my childhood ever. I just felt like it was very positive. I felt like I was very loved. Um, I felt like I was very spoiled. I felt you know all those things that you would feel um, kind of growing up. And so then um, you know fast forward to in third grade. So every day um, my I would get off the bus from school and my dad would um, grab me and we'd walk home. And it was just our routine, and um, he would always wait for me, like, by um, where our, like, complex was, um, the front of it. And so I remember coming home one day from third grade, got off the bus, and um, my dad wasn't there. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> what do I do? Um, and so I remember, you know, waiting for a little bit, and then I just was like, well, I'll just, you know, walk to my house. Um, so I walked to my house. And I get to my house, and my neighbor was like, oh, you know, you need to come with me and hang out with me. And I go, okay. Um, so I hung out with my neighbor, and my mom couldn't get off work right away, I guess. So um, my mom came home, and, you know, later that afternoon, she said, hey, um, just want to let you know that your dad's in jail. <laughs> and I said, oh, didn't even really know what that was, didn't really understand what that like, was. Oh, cool, let's go get him. Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> When are you getting him? Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of the extent of that conversation at that time. I was eight years old. Yeah. My brother was just born a year prior, so he okay. was um, one years old. And so I said, okay. And so um, that began my journey of going to see, and I do want to say I was a daddy's girl to like the T. Yeah. Um, I loved I loved my daddy, dad, and um, <laughs> um yeah, that was daddy's girl. That's all I'm going to yeah. say about that. Yeah. So then um, I remember, like, I can vividly see, like, going to see him in jail and what that experience was as an eight-year-old having to be, like, um, locked in this room and then you're lo locked into another room and another room. And um, um, As an eight-year-old, you're probably thinking it's kind of like the movies. You're kind of like, oh, yeah. my gosh, this is crazy. It's kind of cool, actually, Yeah, but you didn't, I'm thinking about it. But you didn't realize the gravity of kind of what was happening. Yeah, here. yeah. And then um, I remember we um, went into this first room, and um, there was families in there. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and... Um, like people came out to see their families. Yeah. And I remember um, looking for my dad, and uh, one of the guards said, Oh, uh, we have to take you to this area. And so we had to go to like another area with some other families. And um, we got to see my dad. Yeah. And, but it was through glass. Like you have to, um, yeah. you're not allowed to yeah, like yeah, yeah, see yeah. them in a, an area. So that happened for a, a while. And um, I just didn't understand it. Um, I had um, just anger towards my mom. I, I blamed my mom for it. Thinking, like you thought it was your mom's fault that he was in jail. Yeah, I'm like, okay. this is my mom, you know, it's yeah. all her fault. And yeah. so I blamed her just um, 
you know, didn't understand, threatened to run away. I had like a really big beanie baby collection <laughs> and I packed all hundred of them one yeah. day. I remember this day like it was yeah. so vividly for yeah. some reason. I packed all my beanie babies up and I told my mom, I'm leaving. Like you, yeah. I don't know like what you did to our family, but I'm leaving. And mm -hmm. she goes, that's fine. Just tell me where you're going, because you know I have to call the cops. And yeah, 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 yeah. Looking back at it, my mom was a total G. She was yeah, like yeah. boss move. She's like, that's <laughs> fine. You can run away. Just tell me, because I got to call the cops. And I was yeah. like, OK. So um, and I ended up just not running away, because I was yeah. so scared right. of the cops. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then, so then um, some years went by, and I was about 10 or 11, a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And my mom sat me down and she said, um, And your dad's still in jail at this point, correct? Yeah, my dad's okay. still in jail. Okay. We would visit and stuff. Yeah. He got out for a little bit um, for like court stuff okay. and then um, went back. But she sat me down at the table. I remember she said, Hey, I, I want to talk to you. And um, she said, uh, Explain to me what happened. She said, Not all the details, but she basically let me know in a roundabout way that. Um, Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I can. Can so Tony go get me some tissues, my man? <laughs> Sorry. She goes. Why is it? I'm afraid she's gonna hit me. She said, "Why isn't there tissues up here?" Um. <laughs> no, you're you're totally okay. Dude, this is totally okay. This is okay. So Carmen, um, Car Carmen's story, this is still relatively fresh, her sharing with others and talking about it, right? I mean, within the last year, I think, is the first time that you've shared with anyone anything about it, right? I mean, for the most yes. part. And, um, and, and if you didn't realize, Carmen is with child as well. And so that's, I'm sure, compounding. <laughs> but this is, this is um, so your mom sits you down. You're like 10, 11 years old. Yes. Your mom sits you down at the table and just begins to explain sort of the gravity of what happened, right? And what, why, why your dad's put away, and yes. right. And this is eye-opening to you because until now you're blaming your mother, yes. right, for for wrecking and breaking up your family and all that, right? Yes. Okay. I really did not think I was gonna. Cry. I know you didn't, and I told you you would, <laughs> and this is okay. I was like, I got this. Um, so she sat us down and she said. Um, I remember the exact wording, but the, just to sum it up, she just said that your, uh, how, what we would call it today is your dad. Um, <laughs> we would use the word sexual offender or, pre or predator okay. or pedophile. Yeah. And so, okay. And so she shared that with you. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I'm better now. Okay. okay. You're good. So, yes. <laughs> um. She let me know that, and I just didn't understand it still. Yeah. Um, I didn't grasp what that meant, really, yeah. but I was 10 or 11. But she tried to explain it to me uh, the best way she could. And um, so I didn't understand, and I went through a lot of hurt, um, confusion, yeah. and anger. Yeah. Um, because you're thinking, your daddy's girl, you're thinking, yeah. no, this is my dad. You know, I love my dad. My mom blew up the family, and then you find out, okay. Well, dad wasn't doing some very good things. Yeah. And so then you're like, well, wh wait a second. What's, where's my sense of reality? What, what happened here? 
yeah. all of that, mm -hmm. right? So then, I guess fast forward some time. We can fast forward time. I would talk to him, obviously. I got married. Um, I wanted him to walk me down the aisle. I, I just never really... So he got out of jail? Yes. Yeah. He did get, he did get okay. out of jail. Um, he still walked me down the aisle at my wedding, and mm -hmm. um, um, still talked to him to this day and stuff. But um, it, I didn't know how much hurt I was holding mm -hmm. inside um, until probably I became, when I got pregnant with Olivia. Yeah. Um, I guess it, something about that hit me in a different way. Yeah. Um, I remember getting, I was pregnant and we were in the car. And this is like six years ago. Yeah, six ish, years ago, like yeah. yeah. Is when I guess I really started dealing with it. That's when you like realized yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm still really mm -hmm. angry and upset. Mm -hmm. And so this this so is this when this happened you about twenty one years ago. And yeah. so six years ago is probably when I started dealing with it. Okay. Yeah. And that's when you realized, okay, I'm harboring some unforgiveness here. I'm yes. I, this is sort of shaping my present, moving me forward into my future and mm -hmm. this this is a real thing. I gotta <coughs> I gotta figure this out, right? Yes. So how did what did that look like? How did that happen? Well, uh, I, well, I just remember being in the car with Richard, and I was pregnant at the time, and I knew I was having a girl, and I just had this moment, and I looked, it was like dead quiet in the car, and I just looked over at Richard, and I said, um, I just want you to know that you can never hurt Olivia or do anything to Olivia. Like, he, he never said anything, but I just right. wanted, I felt like I had to get it out for some reason, and I remember just crying in the car, and you know, he was just comfort, comforting me through that. Um, but I just realized that I was holding on to hurt um, that I didn't know. My my father actually came down after I had Olivia, and he came to visit for a while. And um, I didn't know that just ignorance and not knowing how the system works. I didn't know you check in when, when that's on your criminal record. Mm -hmm. And then once you check in, they also... Um, flag your whole neighborhood. Yeah. So he came to visit, but because he was just there, he had to check in, and they flagged my entire neighborhood. And at this time, I was a children's pastor, my first job I ever had. Yeah. And I had no clue that um, some of my neighbors that went to our church would uh, be getting this flyer in the mail. So that was. They um, said your dad's coming to town, and he's yeah, it gives you a picture. Registered sex offender, that kind of thing. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I remember he actually sat us down, and um, me and my brother at the time, or not at the time, my yeah. brother. He, he's um, still your brother now, too. He's still my yeah. brother. Um, and just let it, opened up about his past. Um, an incident happened with him, and um, something he dealt with so long, kept it hidden from my mom, kept it hidden from so many things, and eventually sometimes what's in the dark comes to the light. Absolutely. And... Um, Whatever, and so he explained it, and I was a lot older, and I remember having a really hard time being in and out of the room, trying to act oh, yeah. like I was doing something, but oh, yeah. whatever. And um, and that's kind of where that went for that. Okay. That's how it started. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me about the process then, moving forward through that. Like, how did you, how did you begin to process with that? How did you begin to deal with the unforgiveness and not allowing that to cause resentment and bitterness and to change because we talk about it all the time you know unforgiveness is like bondage for you like it it knots you up and ties you up and chains you up and so how did you begin to sort of process or work through or was there like a moment when you were like oh my gosh I really got to deal with this I really got to like 
get a handle on this or, or whatever? Well, through the years, I never really connected this unforgiveness that I was holding on to to people in my life. Yeah. Um, friends and family, if, I, if they hurt me or they did wrong to me, I just kind of like cut them out. I didn't yeah. want to deal with forgiveness. Yeah, no time for that. I didn't want to yeah. go through that process. Um, in 2014, I, um, I got a text from my dad, from my dad's phone, and it was um, super explicit. Mm -hmm. super horrible yeah um he so after getting out of um of jail and whatever going through counseling going through all these things um he so when you have that on your record you can't go it's it, yeah it's tough i mean you're, yeah. Yeah. yeah so he had to be in special housing and so in the housing that he was at he ended up moving up to be like the manager over like a house leader a for house like, leader yeah like a halfway house getting people yeah. Assimilated back into society yes. and all that after yeah. being locked up. Um, but there were some guys in the house that weren't fans of him, mm -hmm. and um, they wanted to kick like kick him out. And so they, um, one of them took his phone and uh, did like a mass text to everyone in his contacts. That was super inappropriate. And super, super inappropriate. Yeah. Super graphic. Yeah. Uh, super bad. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, I was laying in bed, and Richard was laying next to me. He had no clue. I I read the text, and I like dropped the phone, um, and I like started hyperventilating. And Richard's like, "What's wrong?" And I like yeah. ran to our living room. Never like I'm, this is not really my personality. I, this is kind of this is kind of why this is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back at it, I was like, I was a beast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> went to my living room. Olivia's like one or yeah. two at this time um and i like picked up our recliner chair and i threw it yeah. i picked up our coffee table it was ikea so Which, not yeah. that beast those are pretty light um <laughs> uh, those of you I, listening on the podcast carmen is much smaller than a recliner <laughs> chair so i'm pretty strong though um <laughs> through that i mean anything in our living room anything inside i was just screaming and yelling and and i had a breakdown yeah. i just i i I just never dealt with it. Yeah. And I realized in that moment that I had a huge problem because I didn't realize I was coping with, um, trying to cope with this situation by not moving on from it, but also ignoring him. Just ignoring not dealing with it. Yeah. Not dealing with it at all. And so for the first time, I actually, because um, before that, my, like, my best friend knew, maybe just my best friend knew. I told her about it. And even then, I was super tender when I told her. Yeah. Um, but no one knew yeah. um, about my dad. Um, just ashamed and yeah. didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And so I called my pastor's wife for the first time, and I was like, I think I need, I think I need some help. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of when I realized that it was. And so then what did you do? So you have this realization, you know, this big traumatic experience happens. Um, you get all this pent-up anger, hostility, frustration, you know, guilt, shame, all the things. And then you have this sort of breakdown moment where you go beast mode in your living room, right? Beast mode. And then, Wish I had and a video of so it. then you reach out to your pastor's wife, and and so what does that process look like? So for those of us who are you know potentially facing similar challenges, what what did the process look like for you to overcome this like deep seated unforgiveness, this resentment, this this anger, if you will, yeah, that was pent up? What what steps did you take? What was what did the process look like for you to come out um, of that? So I hate feelings mm -hmm. with a passion mm -hmm. which is you so hate weird. talking about feelings I hate talking you, about yeah. feelings i hate dealing with feelings yeah. 
I hate it. I'd rather just ignore it and it go away. And I think I realized um, after my breakdown that I've never done that in my life, yeah. um, mm -hmm. that I needed to deal with this and something was wrong and yeah. I, you know, whatever. So I talked to her a little bit and she was just like, encouraged me to pray. You know, mm -hmm. she said, pray, um, we'll be praying for you, pray about, um, pray, you know, can't change the past, you can't, mm -hmm. whatever. So all we can do is really pray from that point. And so um, I prayed a lot. Richard was, gosh, it was such a season of, um, I would like be up in the middle of the night wanting to search his name. To, I would like want to check and make sure yeah. that nothing ever came up again. Yeah. Um, just weird stuff like that. Um, and just crying a lot and Richard was just great at like hearing me out and comforting yeah. me and listening to me but I think the first step for me was praying and being like God um, I got unforgiveness in my heart yeah and not only do I feel like it's something that I've been harboring and I've been holding on as this weight but um, it's affecting my whole life and I didn't even realize it yeah. I realized people in my life that may have wronged me or done me wrong and I just kind of cut it out so I didn't have to deal with it and realize that that's not really um, what Jesus would want me to do at all in right. life. And that's how I was operating. So um, prayer was my first first um, step. And yeah. then I uh, love, like, Googling, like, <laughs> what should this, what's Bible verses for this or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. but I love doing it. And so <clears throat> um, one of the verses that really stuck out to me was... Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 31, it says, um, if I'm going to boast in you, which I have in Christ our Lord, I'm going to die daily. And um, I realized that just as someone that if I want to, you know, or another verse that says, uh, imitate me as I imitate Christ, and wanting to be someone that, um, I was like that cheesy Christian person that my MySpace said, like, mm -hmm. I'm going to change the world for Jesus. Yeah, like, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. in my bio. Yeah. I am so sorry, guys. <laughs> that was my MySpace. Yes. Um, whatever. It got Richard. He was like, yes, I want that. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> so that was kind of, I always knew I want to be like Christ. I want to be like Jesus. But this was an area of my life I was avoiding. And so um, I realized that I needed to stop viewing people, viewing others, viewing my father as um, people that are doing wrong to me or hurting me, but as as Christ sees them, yeah. that they're forgiven, yes. that they're loved, that they're a child of God, that they're not perfect, mm -hmm. that we're all going to make mistakes. And so um, that was one of the verses that stuck out to me. Um, I have a few verses. Do you just want me to yeah, read them? No, go for it, yeah. <laughs> um, another verse that really helped me was, um, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through he was in the form of God, did not count um, equality with God, equality? Yeah, with yeah. God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, of men, yeah. and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And when I thought of the verse uh, when Paul says that we die daily to our flesh, mm -hmm. that, you know, Christ took it so far that he died for us in, in our sin and in our wrongdoing, and so I should be imitating that in my life. Yeah. And this was a process, of course. Yeah. Um, 
Another one was Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with other, any other form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. And like living room throwdowns falls in the, all other kinds of malice. Rage and yes. anger, yeah. Because we, I mean, we say forgiveness and forgiveness, but in that is rooted bitterness and yes. anger and rage and mm -hmm. sadness and, and these feelings that it's just such... It's just, it's just one word that roots into so many other areas of your yeah. life that you just don't realize. Absolutely. Um, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, Romans 5, 8. Yeah. I mean, that says it all right there. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And so I had to start... Um, dealing with it in that way, knowing, approaching it in a way that, um, approaching people and approaching my situation with my father in a way that, um, that he is a child of God. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that the people that we encounter that may hurt us are children of God. Absolutely. And, um, when, when God says nothing separates you from my love, and that, that's not just for me. Mm -hmm. That's not just for you. That's for everyone. And even if I'm hurt or upset, that, that doesn't discount what God did. Mm -hmm. And so remembering to um, every day changing my perspective of um, that this person is a child of God. And in that, when you do that, not only do you are you easy, it's easier to forgive those people. It's also easier to um be kind to those people, be mm -hmm. compassionate to those mm -hmm. people, because we're trying to see them like Christ sees them and not how we would want to see them. Yeah. But this is something that um, I've actually told my father. I said, hey, um, I know you never asked for forgiveness, uh, yeah. which was a very hard conversation for me to have with him, but um, which was, was probably a, a year ago, not even a year ago, I had this conversation with him. Mm -hmm. I said, but I do want you to know that I forgive you. And um, we just start crying on the yeah. phone um, yeah. because he knows, like, eight years old, he doesn't know, you know, the rest of my life. He didn't get to see me grow up, and he didn't get to yeah. meet Richard first, and he didn't get to all those things um, that a normal dad would want to do. So I know he lives with that, and I, I don't need to put more on him because... Because at the end of the day, Christ still loves him and sees him as a child of God. But this is something that I still have to deal with daily because I honestly don't know a week in my adult life that I have not heard um, the word pedophile um, thrown around. It's mm -hmm. kind of like a word that we use all the time. Mm -hmm. um, like, oh, the ice cream truck man. He's a pedophile. Yeah, right. Um, oh, that guy over there, he, yeah, don't put your kids around him. He's a pedophile and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, it's like, it's a, <coughs> it's, it's used in lighthearted context, mm -hmm. but it's really a heavy term. <laughs> but every time it's said, oh, yeah. no one knows my story, and my mind goes straight to my dad oh, yeah. holding me in a rocking chair when I was seven years old, because he yeah. wanted to do that, because whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's something I still um, deal, deal with every day, um, but um, it's just different for me because 
we say this sometimes, proximity changes things. It does. When something's close to you, it changes how you view it. it and so not only does it, it make me um, look at people like that, to anyone in different, different is like, when we say those things, we're putting a title on them and a name on them that God, you know, doesn't really give us. We've mm -hmm. all done wrong. We've all had our things, but we don't call. Like if if Tony's lied to me before, I don't go around calling him a liar. I mean, I know there's degrees to different things, and but, I know. Yeah. But we don't. But that is definitely one of those things. So it's something that I deal with all the time. But um, I just think sometimes maybe we need some awareness on the words that we call people and oh, yeah. say about people. Oh yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. You hear you hear a lot of stories of sex offenders and things like that, and you just, you know, it's easy, obviously I'm not justifying or anything, but it's easy to demonize people to the point that you forget their humanity. And it's easy to demonize people enough to the point where you don't realize that God loves them just as much as he loves us. And God died for them just like he died for us. And the grace is sufficient for them just like it is for us. And love for them just like it is for us, and so it, that is an important reminder. Yeah, it just, it, it definitely looks different, obviously. Like you said, yeah. not justifying it, even though he's my father. Like, yeah. there is no justification for that. Um, but when you have interviews and when you have things like that, you don't, you know, oftentimes it's not the eight-year-old little girl all grown up now mm -hmm. talking about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the humanity of it and the hurt and the brokenness and the guilt and the shame and the everything. And the rage. Yeah, and the rage. <laughs> just a lifetime of that. Uh, you know, coming together. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. So I think, um, obviously, I, I've, I've been able to verbalize that I forgive him. Yeah. Um, and it's still a process. Um, that was my next question. Yeah. Is it, is it still a process? <laughs> is it still like a daily yeah, I think, thing? Yeah, I think forgiveness is a process in general. Um, yeah. I put forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness doesn't mean that there's instant healing um, or instant mending. Um, and relationships are instantly restored. But forgiveness does bring freedom. It's choosing not to carry such a heavy weight. Yeah, um, and that's huge. And it, it goes for anything, though. Mm -hmm. You know, um, people are going to, we're all imperfect, and we all make mistakes, and we're going to hurt other people, and we're going to um, make mistakes. But um, we need to know that um, it's a process, and it doesn't mean that we need to be like, oh, you're forgiven and never going to remember oh, whatever. Cool. Yeah, yeah like that's not what that means, right, right, but right. it's about carrying. Like when Christ died for us, he died that we could be forgiven so that we don't have to carry the weight right. of, of our own sin. And so um, when, when we hold unforgiveness and we harbor that, and we just carry this weight that is unnecessary that we don't need to be, be carrying around. Yeah, um, that's huge. So, so let me ask you this then. Because the whole point of, of CC Conversations is for us to have a conversation and then for you guys to sort of be part of the conversation, take some of the things we talk about into your own lives and in your own conversations, your relationships and where you are in your journey and stuff. And so what sort of, I guess, you're, you know, you're still in process, but you're probably further along than some people are in, in, in their process and their journey with forgiveness, unforgiveness, harboring guilt and shame and bitterness and all these different things. What sort of, I guess, advice or encouragement could you give to someone who's maybe facing similar challenges? Maybe, obviously, their, their story might not be as drastic. It may not be, you know, as like, oh, my goodness. But at the same time, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the guilt, the shit could all still be there. The yeah. same feelings, same emotions, all of that. So what sort of 
I guess, takeaway or encouragement would you have yeah. um, for others? Um, I think the first thing we need to do is just change our perspective um, on, on, on people, <laughs> on yeah. ourselves, because you could have unforgiveness with yourself. Um, change our perspective, um, seeing people as God sees people, forgiven, love. Um, mm -hmm. Another thing, you know, learning how to forgive my dad has changed how I view the way I forgive others. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it it might seem like I'm letting things go, but it's because it's easier for me now to let things go instead of trying to, um, because I'm like, you know what, it's okay. Really, yeah. it's, you know, I've been yeah. through something worse, so this is, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, changes how I look at myself, because there's times in my life where I feel like I've done wrong things, and I want to hold that against myself, or it might come up later, and learning how to forgive myself, and that mm. um, it's okay not it's okay, and yeah. uh, God still loves me and sees me the same, and it's changed how I looked at God. Um, one of my favorite stories, when I had this revelation a few years ago, I remember reading the prodigal son story and um, looking at it so differently and how, you know, the dad gave gave their sons this money and this one the, one, the one kid runs off and does what he wants to do with it, and when he comes back, the dad treats him with so much honor mm -hmm. and so much love and clothes him and robes him and puts yeah. these, you know, things on him. And that that's how I want to see people, is that no matter what, not even just my dad, that's how I want to see people in general, no matter um, what hurt might come from it, that you um, you are still loved and you are still a child of God and that I can view you that way even though you've hurt me, even though you've done wrong to me, yeah. I, can, I can forgive you and I can love you and it might be hard and it might be a process, but I'm going to take steps towards that yeah. because I want to imitate Christ and I don't want to hold on to this weight that's unnecessary. God, we got too much stuff. We all got too much stuff to worry about in life. We don't need to be carrying around unforgiveness and harboring that, which roots all these other areas in our life that we don't we don't understand. And um, I'll just close off with this one. Um, I saw this quote this week, and I was like, "This is perfect." Yeah. Um, it says, "We need to stop making what people did to us bigger than what Jesus did for us." That's you know huge. what? What, what, why we come to church, you know, the gospel, the good news, it's so big, it's such a big deal, and, and what sometimes we make what people do to us so much bigger than what Jesus did, and he's like the big cheese, you know, like <laughs> what he did is so much bigger than what other people did that we can learn how to forgive that, and I love what... <laughs> The you big just, cheese. You just said the big cheese. I know. Like, Green, like, Green Bay Packers fans would like that, though. Like Jesus Christ, right? Yes. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes. Um, <laughs> so crazy. Anyway, uh, and then um, I think every day John Christ always says this, and I have I bought the shirt. Mm. Uh, he's like, check your heart. But it's like it's like for funny stuff, like... Yeah. We got a roof, you, we got a keg in the fridge, and he'd be like, "Check your heart," or yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like in the car listening to like, "I'm gonna make you lose," whatever, yeah, yeah. and it's like an angel like, "Check your heart," you know, like <laughs> just like something silly like that. And I, it's so silly, but at the same time, there's so much depth to that because we need to check our hearts um, when it comes to forgiveness. I think in how we yeah. view others and how we treat others and how we love others, um, as hard as it is to have to relive it, like, <laughs> relive this situation. Um, at the end of the day, I still talked to my dad this morning, and I said, I love you. Um, you know, he instilled so much in me growing up that, that you know, can never take away. 
is he living with the consequences of his sin? Yes. Do I need to, do I need to hold on to that? No. Um, he's forgiven and he's loved. Um, and I encourage you guys, if there's someone in your life maybe that um, has wronged you or hurt you, that they can be forgiven as well. It might take a while. Um, if you're holding on to something that you can't forgive yourself or um, maybe you even need to ask for forgiveness. Um, I think that's even powerful, too. I've learned from this that I need to be quicker when I do something wrong to say, will you forgive me? Because um, yeah. that's just as important, asking yeah. for forgiveness and um, vice versa. But I think we can start with checking our heart and knowing um, that if we want to imitate Christ, uh, what that lo- what that really looks like. Yeah. No, that's that's huge. That's incredible. I had a whole bit prepared to share at the end of this, but you basically just said it. <laughs> you know, which no, it's awesome. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect because that my encouragement to you guys today was was going to echo a lot of what she said. I, I was going to talk about how you know we've we've all been hurt by something or by someone, right? Whether it was abuse or it was relational or even if it was self hurt, like we've hurt ourselves by different decisions that we've made or uh, choices that we've made, or things that we've involved ourselves in, and we're coming to realization of that, and we're like, man, we find ourselves over here, and it's our own fault, or maybe it's relationally, uh, whether it be family um, unforgiveness, or at work, or whatever, all these different things, we've all been hurt in some way, and so the question is, how do we, how do we combat this unforgiveness with forgiveness, right? How do we forgive like Christ forgave? And my two points were, number one, pray for them, right? Pray for them is huge because honestly, you praying for them, it may impact them, but it's absolutely going to impact you. You know, you praying for them, those who have hurt you and brought hurt upon you, it, it, it might help them and it might change them and it might impact them, but it will 100% help change and impact you because it puts your heart in a posture of servitude. It puts your heart in a posture of humility, of saying, God, I'm, you're, when you're praying for someone who's hurt you, that's saying, God, they're important. God, they're worthy of love. They're worthy of forgiveness. They're worthy of grace, of acceptance. They're worthy of you doing a work in them. And that changes you. That changes your heart. And so the first thing was pray for those who hurt you. Um, and then the, the second thing I was going to say is I was going to cite Colossians 3, uh, 12 through 14. It'll, it'll be up on the screen because I had this stuff prepared. But it says, you know, it talks about how we're to forgive. Where's that line? It says, it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And that's huge. Recognizing and realizing that you need grace. You need forgiveness. You need understanding. You need the leash to be lengthened a little bit because you've screwed up. When you recognize that and say, God forgave me and all my junk and all my crap and all the things that I've been a part of, it makes us help us, it helps us sort of shift our perspective a little bit to say, okay, maybe I can forgive them as well. Maybe I can meet them where they are. Because if we don't, like she was saying, it becomes bitterness. And bitterness, uh, Anne Lamont says this thing, she says, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping it kills the other person. You know, and that's huge. Unforgiveness, all that does is it tears us apart. It makes us unsettled. It makes us weak. It makes us vulnerable. It brings guilt and shame upon us. And that is not the way that God has called us to live. And so what I want to do is I I do want the band to come and lead us in in one more song. Um, Will you thank Carmen for joining us this morning and being open and honest and sort of sharing 
her story in perspective. Yeah, you can just leave that right there. But, um, you know, maybe you are in here this morning and you're holding on to like some bitterness or some bondage or whatever. You know, maybe it's something that you have dealt with or you are currently dealing with. You know, maybe you've been hurt in your past. You know, for Carmen, the, her stuff 21 years ago is when this stuff happened. And that's when her journey of unforgiveness, unforgiveness began. And it's taken this long for her. I, I think she was telling me earlier that the, I think the first time she shared this publicly was like three or four weeks ago at a women's Bible study, like in the middle of Plato's or something, and she was just bawling her eyes out, right? And this is the first time that she's actually been public with this whole unforgiveness journey. And so this happened, like you said, 21 years ago. Maybe it's something that's deep in the past that you're holding on to, and you don't even realize, but it's causing bitterness and bondage that's affecting all kinds of your interpersonal relationships. Maybe for you, you've been hurt recently, and you're just pissed. Like, you're right in the middle of it, and you're just like, no. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. You're waiting for justice or vengeance or retribution or whatever it is. Maybe you're in here and you hurt yourself. You know, maybe it is poor choices. Maybe it is bad decisions. And it's paralyzed you with frustration, with anger, with regret. Again, guilt and shame and angst and all this. Or maybe you're in here and you're hearing all this and you're thinking, man, I've hurt somebody else. You know, maybe it's, it's not so much about you this morning, but maybe what you've done to someone else. Maybe you need to own up to it. Maybe you need to be the bigger person and make it right. But here's the deal, guys. Unforgiveness is a silent killer. Unforgiveness can absolutely tear us apart. And so what we need to do is we need to pray for those who have hurt us, but then also forgive as Christ has forgiven us. We need to pray for those who hurt us and then forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And so I wanted the band to come and just lead us in one more song and give us sort of the opportunity to do business with God, you know? If it's something that's happened in the past, if it's something that happened recently, it's something that you've done to yourself, if it's something that you've done to someone else, I want to give you an opportunity to do business with God and say, God, yo, I got to deal with this. This journey starts today. You may not walk out of here and be like, hey, rainbows, butterflies, and unicorns from here on out, like life is good. But the process and the journey can start this morning. So let's pray together. God, Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.